Okay, I think we have everything set up there. So um, welcome everybody. I'm gonna start with the Mangalacharan prayers and then we'll, we'll get into today's topics. Om Anjana Timirandasya Yananjana Shalakaya Chakshurum Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Guru Namaha Siddhanto Palasara Nityarasikang Hang Sang Vilasat Makang Audaryakya Sadhana Seva Kadanam Vishramba Bhakti Yakya Yukti Vichakshanam Thakabito Vishishta Shakya Sada Vande Hang Triparari Namakaya Ting Shri Bhakti Vedantinam Vanchakal Patarubyas Chakripa Sindhubya Evacha Patitanam Bhavanevyo Vaishnavebyo Namo Namaha Ajano Lambita Bhujao Kanakavatato Sankirtanaika Patarao Kamalaya Taksho Vishwambarao Dvijavarao Yukadharma Palao Vande Jagapriyakaro Karunavataro Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Gurudaye Pushpavanto Chitro Shando Tamonudao Vande Yang Shri Ramakrishna Abhaya Charanasukao Sukadao Paramananda Sundarao Subalao Priyao He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabandhu Jagapate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vandana Karite Muhi Katashakti Tari Tamo Budido Shemui Dambamatrakori Tatapi Mukera Bhagya Manera Ulas Doshakshami Motame Kurunijatas. So, Hare Krishna, welcome back everybody. Um, so we'll continue um, our series today. Um, as some of you may remember, we started last week on the psychology of Raj. So I'll give a brief recap as a, as a primer before diving into today's topics. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you'll remember last time we tried to establish uh, why the Vrajvasi psychology, the residents of Raj, of Vrindavan, why their psychology is worth exploring in the first place. And so one aspect of them that we discussed was that they're the highest expression of, of selfless love. Uh, all scriptures point towards selflessness. And the Vrajvasis, they're, they're the epitome of that. They're, they're the perfect example of that, the topmost expression of that. So everything they do is only for the pleasure. And they give everything of themselves uh, for him and to him. And so Vraj is a place where Krishna can truly be himself in every way, uh, considering he is the center. So further to this, actually, there is no meaning to Krishna without the Vrajvasis, the residents of Raj. Raj, we could say, is the center of existence uh, from where all else gets its gradation. So to the degree that somewhere reflects Raj and the selfless expression of love there, uh, with the place where God takes the most pleasure, where he's most at home, to that degree, um, or to the degree that other abodes reflect this place, that's what give these other abodes their status on the spiritual ladder, if you will. Um, so we, we explored why Vraj is the center of existence. And ultimately, it is the Vrajvasis that that's what makes Krishna the supreme personality of Godhead. You know, this famous quote uh, from the Bhagavatam, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam um, in the fir first canto. So we, we discussed uh, the four qualities that um, Srila Rupa Goswami says what make Krishna the Supreme Personality of Godhead? What makes him the most complete expression of God, or the heart of divinity, it's sometimes said. So the four um, qualities were Lila Madhurya, the sweetness of his playful pastimes, Prema Madhurya, the special sweetness of the relationships, or the type of love that Krishna has with his devotees, um, Venu Madhurya, the sweetness of his flute playing, and Rupa Madhurya, the sweetness of his threefold form that attracts everyone. So we discussed how all these characteristics, they're inseparable from the Vrajvasis. And so there's no meaning to Krishna, uh, the Supreme Personality, without the Vrajvasis. They all mark 
what God himself is ought, the reason for his existence, and re the reason for existence. So we also discussed how we've been given a great gift because our whole process is one where not only are our selfish desires gradually removed from the heart uh, through the powerful practices of bhakti, vaidhi bhakti, but we also cultivate a desire um, at the same time to serve Krishna, in, in a, especially in a similar way to the Vrajvasi. So even if we're in the early stages of spiritual life in the Sampradaya or the school, ultimately we are pursuing uh, what's known as the Rag Marg. That is, we're, we're following in the wave of that deep natural love that overflows from the Vrajvasis. So we may not have a refined taste right now, um, as we have a taste for so many other things in the world. And so we're considered ajata ruchi raganuga bhaktas, those without taste, uh, or some of us at least, maybe not everybody here, but still, still we, we've been given a place on this path. And so through hearing about the Rajvasis from the scriptures, we will realize more and more uh, the sweetness of the love there and uh, uh, of themselves and hopefully uh, develop a greed for a similar type of love and for refining our own pursuit of a specific flavor of love uh, by the grace of Guru and Garanga. So although the Vrajvasis are in an orbit of their own, they're enjoying their Leela together with Krishna, and apart from also serving to attract us there, uh, even before we've developed a real taste, their qualities also teach us so much and give us guidance on how we may come closer to our desired goal of becoming Vrajvasis ourselves, um, embodying the same spirit. Um, so in pursuit of that, the series, in this series, we're going to explore um, three particular aspects of their psychology in the hope that they'll uh, help us in our own bhakti sadhana. Uh, or at the very least, we get to hear about those qualities about the Rajvasis. So that's always a good thing, right? So um, to introduce us to the first aspect of the Rajvasi psychology, the one we're going to explore um, primarily to, in today's session, I want to share a quote uh, that I, I actually have saved in a text file. Um, I don't do, although I don't do it so much uh, these days, a number of years ago, I used to save any inspiring or interesting quote about bhakti that I came across on social media. And there was one that jumped out of me um, that still sticks in my, my mind today. I used to save them in a document so I could come back to them later. And I found this one quite humorous. Uh, so I dug it up. Um, and I apologize that I'm not too sure who it came from originally. Um, my memory is quite fallible. But I want to, part of me feels it was one devotee called Sita Pati, who some of you may know. But if it was from elsewhere, then please forgive me. I'm not too sure. Maybe someone else here knows. But I think it's a great intro to what we're going to discuss today. So the quote is as follows. Gaudiya Vaishnavism is the appropriate religion for Kali Yuga, the age of irony, because at its core, it is divinely ironic. What is the conclusion? Krishna is not God. Ask anyone who knows him personally. So <laughs> I find that quite funny. Uh, and it's true about our philosophy that Krishna is not God to the Rajvasis, the people who know him better than anyone else. <laughs> so it might seem strange to choose this as the first aspect of their psychology to explore. How does this apply to us as sadhakas, right? It might seem like a sweet quality to relish uh, that the residents of Raj, they don't see Krishna as God. They only see him as their friend, their son, their lover. But surely until we're born in the Leela, this aspect, that's like their psychology, that won't be very full to us. But I, I would say properly understood, this is one of the most important qualities of their psychology. And so that's why we're going to explore that today. So before we get into this side of, um, or into the side of this quality of the Vrajvasis um, that we can draw from ourselves, we should explore the quality of forgetfulness of Krishna's godhood within the Vrajvasis themselves 
and what's really going on uh, behind the scenes to have a better understanding ourselves uh, uh, before looking into what we can take from it ourselves. So to get us started and in the mood, I thought it would be nice to read a little bit of a pastime uh, that expresses some of the aspects of the things we need to discuss. And of course, there are so many pastimes, um, but one that came to mind that I thought would be very sweet to share was from our Guru Maharaj's telling of the forest fire pastime, especially as he brings up some of the concepts that we will discuss in, in his narrative of the pastime. So some of, you, some of you may already be familiar with this. Um, our Guru Maharaj posted it in, uh, there's a group on Facebook called Preo Bhakti. And so I think he posted it a couple of years ago and it's, it's an excerpt from his upcoming book. But I'm sure it's worth rehearing, um, even if you've heard it before. And it will be nice for those who haven't heard it, uh, who aren't in the group or didn't catch the, the post originally. So it goes as follows. Hari had asked them to close their eyes out of concern for the fact that should he consume the fire as dictated by his Aishwarya Shakti in front of them, the boys would attempt to enter the fire to protect him. Thus he thought, these boys filled with affection for me, live without concern for their own safety. In their Sharanagati, they see me alone as their protector with whom they identify in Pranay as their very self. If they see me swallow the fire, they will enter that fire to protect me, just as ordinary persons, without thinking, spontaneously protect themselves in times of sudden danger. Therefore, I must get them to close their eyes. Such thoughts arising from his love-suppressed omniscience were, of course, thoughts he could not express given the circumstances. This thus, Hari's Madhurya Shakti inspired the wise Subal to weigh in thus with the special wisdom of his own. Friends, Krishna has deep insight into the mystical powers of jewels and mantras and how to employ them to counteract the effects of fire, a small task for such powerful stones and sounds. But invoking their power is not possible in public. Thus, we must close our eyes that he will be alone and able to elicit the mysterious power. That is why he's telling us to close our eyes. Subal's insight, of course, made perfect sense. And thus the cowherds closed their eyes and Krishna swallowed the fire on the strength of his achincha shakti. And moreover, when he told the boys to open their eyes, they found themselves back at the base of the great banyan, their cows along with them, while confident of the power of jewels and mantras. Krishna's ability to invoke such power astounded the suckers. Thus, in their minds, they began to consider that Krishna must be some kind of deva. And as this thought played, out, played itself out, they happily reached the conclusion since they were equals, so too were they. It's a very sweet uh, telling of the pastime. Um, and many things, the, the cowherd boys don't see Krishna as God. They see themselves as equals to him. Uh, as, as many of you will know, it's a characteristic of Sakyabhav, of friend, friendly love. So rather than see Krishna swallowing the fire as an act of God, their natural conclusion is we must be godly too. If Krishna is able to act uh, divinely, so must we be able to, because we're just like Krishna. So naturally it's very sweet, uh, but it also highlights some concepts to dig deeper into. In particular, these terms were used, Aishwarya Shakti and Madhurya Shakti. Now, some of you will likely be familiar with some of these concepts, especially if you heard Padmanabha Maharaj's um, Raghvatma Chandraka series. But it's worth reviewing, reviewing um, especially in the context of this class. So Aishwarya refers 
to the opulence or the majesty of God. A devotee influenced by the Aishwarya generally knows that Krishna is God. And so it produces some reverence in a person who sees Krishna in this way, especially the more the Aishwarya is prominent, this, this opulence or godhood, the majesty of God. And Madhurya is generally translated as sweetness. And so as Krishna's pastimes are human-like and they don't generally have the knowledge of godhood involved, they are sweet. Sometimes some divine opulence may be shown as we saw with Krishna swallowing the fire, but still everyone considers Krishna to be human like them. But there is an important distinction um, that Srila Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur makes when he distinguishes Krishna's sweetness from other kinds of sweetness. M many people, if they see young children doing something out of the ordinary or a little naughty, uh, they think it's sweet, right? Uh, these kind of videos viral on social media <laughs> all the time. But Madhurya means more than just sweetness. Behind every human-like activity, there is some Aishwarya or divine opulence, even if that doesn't manifest overtly always. So even though the Vrajvasis don't see Krishna as God, what makes his pastimes particularly sweet is the fact he is God acting in a human-like way. So what, what, what is special, very special about the Vrajvasis is that even when Aishwarya or divine opulence presents itself, these miraculous events that we read about, it doesn't touch the sweetness of their relationship. Uh, for the Vrajvasis, no amount of Aishwarya can take away from the Madhurya. So as a side note, we, we heard uh, yesterday from Dalal Chandra Prabhu how the, the relationships in Vraj are the highest expression of the Aishwarya Shakti. And so when Arjuna, if we think of the Bhagavad Gita, when Arjuna saw Krishna's universal form, Arjuna, his sweet relationship uh, as a friend of Krishna's was compromised. He even apologized for being too friendly. He was sorry for having that mood, you know, this friendly mood. Um, so this mood, this Sakyabhav, or this friendly mood, it was totally covered by this reverential feeling because of seeing this godliness of Krishna, that Aishwarya. Um, and there are other similar examples, like after Krishna killed Kamsa, Vasudev and Devaki, they initially treated Krishna and Baladev as God, as Ishwara. They offered so many prayers in this Aishwarya mood. They didn't embrace them as one would embrace their children. Vasudev even said explicitly that they aren't his sons, but the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But we don't see this same reaction with the Vrajvasis, even when the Aishwarya Shakti comes to the surface. Now, generally, it doesn't. Generally, the Aishwarya Shakti show itself overtly in Vraj. And even the godliness takes a Madhurya or a sweet form. So, we, we see that in his childhood, for example, when he killed Putana, he still behaved like a young child. Sure, he was sucking uh, the life out of her, but out of her breast, like a young child being nursed. So some Aishwarya was there to be able to kill Putana, but it looked still human-like to any observer. And similar example, uh, well, different example, but um, similar concepts that we're, we're all singing at the moment, um, you know, Dhammadarashtakam, we, we sing about Mother Yashoda binding Krishna, but she couldn't at, at first. The rope was never quite long enough. So that rope never quite being long enough, there's some Aishwarya coming out there. There's some divine opulence. But Krishna didn't stop being fearful of her while she tried. He wasn't laughing at her, he, but he was actually upset at being punished, just like any naughty young boy would be. And I speak from experience, having been a naughty young boy once myself in this life. You're quite upset when you're, you're being punished. Um, but as a, side, as a side note related to that, it's not just the Rajvasis who don't see Krishna as God. Even Krishna himself forgets he's God. I won't spend too much time on this aspect, as our purpose today is exploring the Vrajvasi psychology. But it's good to know that the same Yogamaya covers Krishna too. 
to facilitate the play and the intimacy with the Rajvasis. So even Krishna has divine self-forgetfulness. He himself doesn't think of himself as God, but genuinely is the son of Yashoda, the friend of Subal, the lover of Radha, and so on. His godhood re recedes to the background. And th this is in reciprocation with the type of love the Rajvasis have for him. They don't see him as God, so he doesn't see himself as God. But sometimes, as we all know, uh, the Aishwarya or the godly opulence does come out more prominently. Uh, a good example is uh, something we many of us celebrated Friday. Maybe it was a different day for, for others. But on Friday, we celebrated Govardhan Puja here. And so a young boy lifting a hill on his finger is certainly isn't human-like. <laughs> there, there, and there are many examples like this. Krishna swallowing the fire, as we read earlier. Not many people can swallow a big fire like that. Um, so sometimes the Rajvasis may even be told directly by other devotees who do see Krishna as God, that Krishna is God. Uh, Nanda Maharaj, for example, was told by Varuna, also by Uddhava, of Krishna's godhood. So, but as we mentioned, when this display of Aishwarya comes to the forefront, other devotees, like we saw with Arjuna, they forget the intimacy of their primary relationship and the reverence takes prominence. But the interesting and unique thing about the Rajvasis is that even when the Aishwarya is blatant and in their faces, all it does is enhance their Madhurya, their sweet relationships with Krishna. They can't help but see Krishna primarily as their son, as their friend, as their lover. So in the pastime of the forest fire that we read, the cowherd boys, they just assumed they must be godly too, because they're equal to Krishna. As we say, this is the nature of friendly love. They, they just presume we must be godly. Krishna is godly, so we must be too. And there are many other sweet examples like this. Many of you may have seen these pictures. I really love these pictures of, of the Govardhan Leela. They show the cowherds all using their sticks to help prop, Krishna, uh, to help prop the hill up. They're helping Krishna prop the hill up. This big hill and they're like, okay, Krishna can't do it alone. He needs our help. So there's, there's clear Aishwarya Shakti being displayed there. Krishna holding the hill on his, on his hands. It's quite clear Aishwarya Shakti is there, some divine opulence. But the cowherd's reaction is, we need to get involved and help Krishna, as after all, he's one of us. And when Mother Yashoda, for example, saw the universal form within Krishna's mouth, she never stopped seeing Krishna as her son. She just presumed Krishna must have received some blessing from Narayan. After all, Krishna's the darling of the village, and everyone in the village is praying to God, to Narayan, for blessings on him. I, I always found uh, that quite humorous and interesting that there are some sampradayas, le legitimate sampradayas, that worship uh, Narayan as being supreme. And even in Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, Krishna Das Kaviraj, he says there's no problem in this, e even though we, we may have our focus and say Krishna's two Bhagavan's Payam. Uh, but actually, for the Rajvasis, Narayan is God as well. Uh, but even so, they love Krishna more than they love God. Um, so after the Govardhan Leela, even when the idea was toyed with that Krishna may be a demigod or even a god by some of the elder or even god, uh, not just a god, but god, uh, some of the elder gopas were speaking like this. Uh, initially, Mother Yashoda felt maternal pride that she was so blessed that her own son had such a high position. So the focus, again, it nourishes her relationship. The focus was more on Krishna being her son than his potential position as God. She forgets that idea very quickly, though. Uh, Nanda Maharaj also laughed off the idea because he knew Krishna too well to think he was God. Uh, and any time this notion comes up, because, uh, because of the Aishwarya Shakti, um, when it makes its appearance, very quickly, the Madhurya kicks in and the idea is very quickly dropped or even laughed at. We, we heard this in, in the Brahmara Gita series, for example, how Nanda Maharaj, he responded sarcastically when Uddhava told him that Krishna was God. And one, one more example I, I think is quite sweet um, is when Indra comes to offer his prayers to Krishna 
after the Govardhan Leela. And there's the Surabi Kal there and other demigods are there. They're all offering their respects to Krishna. And the cowherd boys, they didn't see Krishna as being God. And so even this incident, which clearly has a lot of Aishwarya involved, it still served to enhance their natural mood toward Krishna rather than take away from it. The cowherd boys, they took it in a humorous way, thinking, you know, these demigods, they must be bewildered. And because of Nanda Maharaj's worship of Vishnu, this is how any power has been invested in Krishna. So even the cowherd boys mimicked the, the demigods behavior. They were making all sorts of jokes and they put on the jewels. So, so the demigods, you may remember, they, they gave Krishna so many jewels and ornaments and different things. And so they, they started to put these on, the cowherd boys put them on. Uh, and they just saw them really as strange people. And they laughed, laughed with Krishna about the incident and they all danced home. Uh, they were decorated like the demigods. And then even when they got to the village, all the elder cowherd men and women, they just turned a blind eye to the new clothes. And even some of the cowherd boys, they were talking about how they'd seen a four-headed guy, an elephant and so on. And they just turned a blind eye to all this. And again, it didn't take away from their mood. So the nature of their love is the Vrajvasis can never be overcome by knowledge of Krishna's godhood, even when he displays divine opulence or power. The primary moods of the Rajvasis just become strengthened. Again, Krishna is their friend, their son, their lover. So the Madhurya Shakti is just too strong for anything else to rise above it. But it is important to know from our perspective that Aishwarya is underlying it all, that there has to be Aishwarya uh, for there to be Madhurya. But what makes Krishna's activities so charming is that he is all powerful but acts as if he has no power, or even at times that some of his family and his friends, they have more power than him. So the Vrajvasis don't serve Krishna because he's God. They love and serve Krishna because they love him as one of their own. Their love is so strong. They have such deep feelings that it covers the fact that he is God. So Yogamaya facilitates this uh, by providing a covering over them. They have such a real self-forgetfulness by the nature of their absorption in Krishna. But Krishna is God underneath it all. They, they have a sense of this, but their devotion isn't because Krishna is God, but because Krishna is Krishna. But again, we know underneath it all, there is Aishwarya in terms of knowledge of Krishna being the supreme. Uh, that, that Again, that's not why they're doing him, but they, they have a sense. And so the evidence of that is when we, we see his associates come in Goralila, for example. In Goralila, they really know the tattva. Um, the, the Goswamis wrote so many books, for example, about God that we're still taking advantage of today. And we all follow uh, in that sampradaya or the school that they formed. So this Aishwarya aspect is important as well, even if it's not really prominent in the Leela. Srila Sridhar Maharaj, he gives a nice example of uh, the U.S. military's defense. Um, so you don't generally see, if you go to the U.S., on the streets of the cities and these kind of things, uh, like things like tanks or fighter jets and all, all kinds of weaponry on the main streets of the U.S. It's all hidden underground. But if there's a war or something happens where there's a need to display that power, they could reveal it in a few seconds. But if it was there in full display all the time, people wouldn't be able to live uh, very naturally or peacefully, you know, if that, that display of power was in full sight at all times. So it remains under And the Vrajvasis, underneath it all, they have more understanding of Krishna's tattva than anyone else. But it's not very important for their real purpose in serving him. Their love for him is more important. But as we see in Goralila, when the need to bring it to the surface is there, they have more than anyone else. And this is important for our purposes, as ultimately we want to follow the Rajvasis. And this is the proper way to enter into forgetfulness of Krishna's Godhood. We have to really understand and embrace fully Krishna being the center, the enjoyer, 
to be able to really selflessly give of ourselves to the extent that the Vrajvasis selflessly give of themselves to Krishna. So there's a nice quote I thought I'd read from a, a Q&A Sangha from our Guru Maharaj that I think is worth uh, reading to highlight some of these points in a beautiful way. So it goes as follows. <clears throat> Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu emphasizes that prema is the prayojan, goal, and that it bears fruit in the realization of Krishna Leela. If one carefully studies Krishna Leela through the teaching of Sri Chaitanya, it will become clear that it speaks to us of self-forgetfulness in love. When self-sacrifice turns to self-forgetfulness, as it only can when the perfect object of love is the repose of our love, then Krishna Leela is realized. Love without reservation is possible only in relation to the ultimate shelter of love. Thus, our Acharyas explain their experience of the Absolute as the Supreme Enjoyer, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. What is the nature of their experience? Through absolute giving and unalloyed love, one gains entrance to Krishna Leela, where knowing and loving are synonymous. One who truly embraces self-forgetfulness in love experiences Krishna Leela, the poetic love life of the Absolute. In this experience, all doubts and contradictions are resolved. So this is one thing we can take from the Rajvasi psychology, that actually they truly know Krishna is God to the highest degree, even though ultimately they don't know he is God. <laughs> they know he's the center. And we really need to understand he is God, to forget that he is God. And this is one reason uh, why the emphasis has been placed so much on this verse, this Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam. So it's verse 1328. It says follows. All of the above mentioned incarnations are either plenary portions or portions of the plenary portions of the Lord. But Lord Sri Krishna is the original personality of Godhead. All of them appear on planets whenever there is a disturbance created by the atheists. The Lord incarnates to protect the theists. And although I've not studied it in depth myself, I've heard a few times that in his Krishna Sandarbha, Srila Jiva Goswami cites over 300 points from the Bhagavatam to confirm this point, this Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, that Krishna is the origin of the Godhead. And as we discussed in the first session, to give completely of ourselves, we need to find the right recipient. And the Vrajvasis give themselves so much. Their serving ego is developed to the highest degree. So to attain Vrajbhakti, we must understand that Krishna is the source of all divinity. And the more we understand this, we will see all other manifestations of God and existence in general, in all his energies and so on, all in relation to Krishna. And I, th I think it's important to note that this doesn't necessarily mean in an intellectual or scholarly way. That might be there according to one's capacity, but our, our practice is meant to help uh, like a, a paradigm shift. Uh, so we, we want a paradigm shift from one where we're the center to where Krishna truly is the center, as he is in every single way in Raj. So this world won't be attractive to us. And so this is another reason we need to understand the nature of the Rajvasi psychology, that aspect that Krishna is God, but is also not God. <laughs> and we, we've heard and maybe even seen how people sometimes may even use the philosophy of the Vrajvasis to justify their attachment to the material realm. The classic example that I'm sure you've all heard many times is the Prakrita Sahajas, who uh, are said to use the affairs between the gopis and Krishna, even in, in a physical way, as a physical med meditation to try to enter such moods. But our uh, 
worked out that it's clear this arises from an attachment to material pleasures and being the center. And it's dangerous as it's cheapening what is most valuable, especially to Krishna himself, in pursuit of justifying one's own attachment to being the center. So it's better to humbly admit we still have that paradigm. I'm the center, uh, put my hands in the air and still often <laughs> see the world in that way. Um, but we, we should gradually shift it under good guidance. And so we see warnings about entering into places we aren't qualified and, and, and so on. We see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, although absorbed internally in the Leela, he did not act in a way that cheapened the understanding of Raj Bhakti. So it's important to have the perspective from a point of view of tattva, for example, in this example, that the gopis are his own potencies, or Krishna's own potencies, they're God's potencies, and eternally belong only to him. And just, just as we should understand Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, just as the Vrajvasis do, uh, ultimately underlying it all, we should also understand the Vrajvasis properly in relation to Krishna, so that we'll have a proper approach and a proper attitude toward them. Our, our Guru Maharaj posted an article on the Harmonist website a year or two ago uh, called Aho Bhagyam, Aho Bhagyam. Uh, and it's another excerpt from his forthcoming book. Uh, it, it was an accident that I had a few of these quotes, but they just, they fit so well. Uh, from, so we, we're, we're quite excited for that. Um, I, and I recommend the whole article. You can find it on the Harmonist, Aho Bhagyam, Aho Bhagyam. And it's giving an in-depth explanation of a verse from the Bhagavatam, uh, where Brahma is offering his prayers to Krishna after the Brahma Vimohan Lila. So it goes, Aho Bhagyam, Aho Bhagyam, Nanda Gopa Vrajau Kasam, Yam Mitram Paramanandam, Poonam Brahma Sanatanam. How fortunate Ananda Maharaj, the cowherd men, and all the other inhabitants of Rajabhumi. There is no limit to their good fortune because the absolute truth, the source of transcendental bliss, the eternal supreme Brahman has become their friend. So it's very beautiful. But one of the main points brought out uh, about this verse is it shows the proper approach as we try to become Vrajvasis ourselves. We should understand their position and knowing it to be such a great ideal, show proper respect to it. So there will be some reverence even in our approach. Contrary to popular belief, there will be some reverence or Aishvarya in Raghunuga Bhakti, especially in the early stages. So an excerpt from the article I wanted to highlight um, in regards to our discussion today, it goes as follows. The great Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur composed a Bengali verse that represents the very spirit of his approach to the Rag Marg. The occasion for its composition was the building of the famous Bhagbazar Math, an opulent for its time marble temple constructed in Calcutta. His disciples, like materialists, concerned themselves with raising funds and all of the mundane activities surrounding the construction of the temple. His sannyasi disciples went door to door to raise money that in turn was thrown at the deity's feet in the context of building them a lavish temple. Ragmarg deities, Sriman Gorasundar and Radha Krishna. The spirit of this seva was reverential worship, not of Narayan, but rather reverential worship of the Rag Marg itself, with the idea that sadhakas giving proper respect to this highest of ideals would in turn cause its ragatmakas to take notice of them and give them entrance into this realm, crossing over such reverence. Below, I cite the Takura's Bengali verse, followed by a translation of the verse that includes an explanation of its implications. Matala Hari Jana Vinaya Raige, Pujala Ragapata Gauravabhaige. Devotees, reveling in the intoxication of offering the desirable things of this world in glorification of 
and with reverence for the ideal of Rag Marg Bhajan, will thereby remove all worldliness from their hearts by such divine savour, and in turn, their reverence will be broken as actual Rag Marg participants, Rag Atmakas, attracted by their attitude, will reach down and bring them within their fold. So, in discussing the aspect of psychology, that they don't see Krishna as God, the main thing I wanted to draw out for today was that to see in a similar way, we do need to see Krishna as God. We, we need to have some Aishwarya, and underlying the Vrajvasi's Madhurya is the Aishwarya. This is what makes Madhurya, Madhurya. One needs to see Krishna as God or the center to the highest degree before they can really forget he is God. That, that said, I think there is something else uh, that we can take from this quality of the Vrajvasi psychology. Although we need to learn and embrace the implications of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, and we're all likely in that process at the moment, we're gradually having our paradigm shifted by the grace of Guru opening our eyes, filling the heart with transcendental knowledge, purifying our consciousness by the words emanating from his lotus mouth, as Srila Naratam Das Thakur says. Um, but although we need this aspect, it's still important to remember, especially in pursuing the psychology of Raj Bhakti, that Krishna is more than God as well. The God is an aspect of Krishna, as Padmanabha Maharaj likes to bring out. So, even in early stages, I would say we shouldn't forget the fact he is our dear friend. And this is true, no matter of our long-term prospects in terms of bhava or flavor of relationship. kind of relationship one is pursuing with Krishna, he is the friend of all. So we should develop a real feeling for this. Um, Srila Prabhupada, or Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, he often emphasized uh, these three points from the fifth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. If you, you'll see in many of his purports, even many of his conversations and so on, so on he often emphasized three points. Uh, that Krishna is the supreme enjoyer, Krishna is the supreme proprietor, and Krishna is the supreme friend. So the verse in the fifth, fifth chapter, it's, verse, uh, it's the end of the fifth chapter, verse 529, says, Knowing me to be the enjoyer of the results of sacrifice and austerities, the great controller of the entire world, and the friend of all creatures, one quickly attains peace. And our Guru Maharaj, uh, Bhaktivedanta Swami Triparari, he writes in his purport to this verse, Krishna is the enjoyer of the results of sacrifices performed by ritualists, Agnya. He is also the enjoyer of the results of austerities performed by Jnanis, Tapasam. He is the Paramatma, Sarva Loka Maheshwaram. He is the Paramatma of the world in the eyes of the yogis and reverential devotees. His devotees, who know his Brahman and Paramatma features, also know him as Bhagavan the loving friend of all creatures, Suhridam Sarvabhutanam. Thus, after describing the practice of meditation and mystic yoga in brief, here, Krishna further identifies the indwelling supersoul and overseer of the material world, Paramatma, who is the object of the yogi's meditation with himself. Previously, he identified himself with Brahman, the object of the jnani's attainment. Here, for the first time in the Gita, he also indicates that he is Bhagavan, the loving friend of his devotees, and that the karma yogi, whose appropriately God-centered yoga turns to loving devotion, bhakti, will attain him. To know him as one's dear friend is to be in a better position than to approach him for material gain, liberation, or even dutiful devotion, for the results of all these and more easily attained by one who becomes the intimate friend of the one who owns and controls all, the rightful enjoyer of all sacrifice and austerity, God himself. 
We are not the rightful enjoyers of anything, nor the controllers of anything, much less the entire world. However, we can be on intimate terms with the one who is. What then could be lacking for us? So we've touched upon the enjoyer and controller aspect to some degree already in discussing the importance of knowing Krishna is God. But the knowing he is the friend is another aspect where we can apply the Vrajvasi psychology, not in that we forget he is God, but we remember he is more than God. So even this Sakyam is an anger of Bhakti, not Sakya as in Sakyaras, but Sakyam, though we, we, we hear it mentioned in Prahlad Maharaj's famous list of the pure devotional practices, the Navalakshana Bhakti, you know, Shravanam Kirtanam, hearing and chanting and so on. And so we find there Sakyam, uh, which means considering the Lord one's best friend. And it's also there, <clears throat> excuse me, it's also there in um, uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. It's an anger of bhakti in uh, Srila Rupa Goswami's 64 angas that he gives, the limbs the or the practices of bhakti. So in verse 12188, he says there that there are two types uh, of, of this sakyam, a trust and being friendly, trust and being friendly. Now, I don't intend to discuss this thoroughly in the interest of time, and it's also worth noting that in the fullest sense of these uh, angas, it may, it may not be possible for us to fully embrace, as if you study the commentaries, you'll see that they're very high expressions, even siddhas are usually used as examples. And Srila Rupa Goswami even says later on in 1-2-198, friendship and offering the self and body are rare because of the difficult execution during the process of sadhana. However, some wise men have considered that these two qualify as part of sadhana. So this section would be great to get deeper into, maybe, maybe another time. And I, I anticipate our Guru Maharaj's upcoming book may also shed some more light on these points. But for our purposes, I wanted to bring this out to make the point that in sadhana even, there is some scope for developing friendship with Krishna. And I imagine we all have that experience on one level or another in our own internal lives. We may not be strictly practicing the Anga as described by Srila Rupa Goswami, at least based on the commentaries and its rarity, although I guess that's something worth exploring another time because you could say it's rare, but rare in relation to what? You know, bhava is sudurlabha, but so is liberation. It's easy, you know, it's a side effect of bhava even. And it said, um, a pure devotee is rare, but then even someone aspiring for pure devotion is rare. But as we know, even in this world, even to be a devotee of any kind is rare relative to the world. Now, I wouldn't want to overstep and say that it applies in our, it does apply in our case, especially when you read the commentaries. That might be a good question uh, for the Sunday call sometime to, to ask Maharaj to explore that. But I would say that we can embrace the spirit of it in the way we see Srila Prabhupada emphasize this over and over, quoting from the Gita, that we certainly can see Krishna as the supreme friend, Suhridam Sarva Bhutanam. Whereas the other two qualities in the verse relate to Krishna being the center, we can also see him as more than that. We, and we all likely have that experience, right, of pouring our heart out to God. We don't need to pour our heart out to God, right? He's Paramatma. He already knows everything. He's witnessing everything. So what need is there to pour your heart out? Why tell him what he already knows? But we do. And we share our thoughts and our feelings. You know, he's the most intimate, well-wishing friend who's right in our heart with us. So we can share our heart with Krishna, just like we would share our heart with an intimate friend. And he likes this. So trust and being friendly. And our, our Guru Maharaj, uh, he sometimes talks about an aspect of Sadhu Sangha being us all getting together at the end of the day and sharing our failures. And it's very beautiful. I really, really appreciate this point. And it should be emphasized when we have the opportunity to do so. But we may not always have the good fortune of having such association with us on a daily basis. But we can take the same idea, I think, in terms of revealing our hearts to Krishna as our friend also, sharing our failures and praying for strength to do a bit better tomorrow, to come closer to our ideal, 
to become Rajvasis or to serve the Rajvasis. So my main point in relation to today's discussion is that although we need to understand Krishna is God, to really forget he is God, we need Aishwarya. So another thing that we can take from the Rajvasi psychology today, or this psychological trait we're exploring today, is that Krishna is more to us than God. And it's worth remembering and contemplating that also. That Krishna is our friend too. He is God, but he's more than God. God is an aspect of Krishna. So we can't imitate the Rajvasis, but on one level, we can certainly have feeling in the right direction. Um, so with that, uh, I'd like to thank you for your time and open up. I'd welcome any discussion, corrections, or questions um, on what we discussed today. Hey, Krishna. Thank you for today's class. It's uh, edifying as usual. Um, I just wanted to share a thought about this thing about um, pouring your heart out to someone who already knows. Because um, mm. uh, I've, I've been thinking about that, that same thing also before. And, and I think it actually does make a difference. It, like even if someone knows, it, uh, like, like for example, if you know that someone is going through a hard time and you know why even, um, but you, but like maybe they don't feel comfortable sharing at the moment. But like then like once they do, you know, like it it becomes a different thing than just you like knowing about it. Like uh, mm. it's like another dimension of it coming. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So there we go. We got some very practical understanding and feeling for that in 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 you know even our lives, our relationships with each other, and like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, thank, thanks for sharing. That's really, uh, it's a nice point. Thank you. <laughs> Anybody else um, like to share anything before we, uh, we wrap up? Okay, I'll, uh, I'll take that silence as a uh, note. And um, yeah, just thank, thank you for, for being here today. And uh, I look forward to being with you next week. And yeah, and hearing more, more of these classes through the week. So uh, have a lovely week. Hare Krishna. Sriman Madan Mohan Prabhu Ki Jai. Panchakal Patrubhyas Chakrapasandhu Vyayavacha Patitanam Bhavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namo. Hare Krishna.